California and red clay in Georgia. What's up, everybody? This is a talk in the attic. I'm your host, Kirk Ross. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, then you probably already noticed that I'm standing today, thanks to my new standing desk from thestandingdesk.com. I met with a couple folks over at the standing desk today. It's a local Grand Rapids manufacturing company that uses high-end German components. Hey, German parts, but made in America? That kind of sounds like me, doesn't it? Hmm. Loving this bad boy so far. Not going to lie, the episode is coming at you a little bit late today expressly because I wanted to make sure I got this thing set up and involved in the episode. So forgive me for the delay. My back and my posture certainly appreciate it. Today is Tuesday, November 24th, 2020, making this upcoming Thursday a big day in American culture. A weekday carved out in the middle of our calendars devoted to watching sports and eating a giant meal. So when you really think about it, a pretty standard day. I'm, of course, talking about Thanksgiving, the holiday ranked first on my list of personal favorites, and it's my favorite for a number of reasons, most of which will not be part of the fold this year, which for a great many of us will prove far more isolated than a typical turkey day. I think back to the days of playing in the Edmonds flag football game entitled the Turkey Bowl, which provided the perfect festive platform on which out-of-shape former athletes could realize that they are, in fact, out-of-shape former athletes. I think back to last year when Jessica and I hosted a Friendsgiving that culminated in a day after discovery that the bird had been cooked and devoured all the while containing the plastic bag of giblets. Hmm, I thought that turkey tasted modern. But more than anything else, I think back on my Ross family Thanksgiving extravaganza. This is where I'll spend the remainder of this holiday episode, so let's get into it. Playing us into the body of today's show will be a new hip-hop song written by yours truly. With that, let's start the show. It's almost Thanksgiving time, y'all. You know what that means. Chip the fan, 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 which saw upwards of 40 of us cram into our family cabin up north for 48 hours of drinking, eating, snoring, gambling, and stepping over one another. In a tradition that lasted for something like 15 years, my entire extended family would begin to traverse its way northward the Wednesday before every Thanksgiving. Of course, there was a cadence of arrival up there, though. My dad and his brothers, who co-owned the property, would get up there first with their spouses. They always claim that this early arrival was a function of needing to get there early and set everything up, but we all know that they really just wanted to lay claim to their respective beds for the week. Come on. My generation would start trickling in just behind the older folks. You know what that meant for a lot of us, especially in our younger years. Oh no, we're a couple hours behind. Better pour those drinks a little stiffer so we can catch up. That never ended as well as we might have hoped. Unless, of course, it was our personal goal to wake up the next morning feeling so dehydrated that blinking proved difficult. Okay, let me give you an idea of how noisy it would get up there. Here's some audio reenactments of a Ross family Thanksgiving, day one, at a few different points throughout the evening. This is 2 p.m. 
Here is 6 p.m. It's 7 p.m. Okay, let's not talk politics this year, okay, guys? 8 p.m. I mean, we can talk politics, I guess. I mean, I, I love you guys no matter what. Let's just do it. 10 p.m. Mitt Romney, are you fucking kidding me? Which would always lead to someone coming out. That's it. No more politics in here. Some of us folks got up here early today to set up. No, we didn't get here to pick our own beds. You noisy kids, go out to the campfire so we can get some shut-eye in here. The audio environment at the campfire would sound a little like this. Hey, who's got control of the music? Well, let's see, it's Maneater playing for the third time in a row. Gotta be Gene! This party would continue for a few hours, until it was just a few of us left. We'd raid the fridge before hitting the sack. One year, I distinctly remember a culinary concoction that would have made Bobby Flay himself blush. My brother Justin's now-famous Mile High Sandwich of 2013. Despite its name, the sandwich really only measured about 17 inches in height. It's still pretty tall. But let's give Justin credit. It's hard to keep track of distance when you're not wearing any pants. I used to be a snorer, particularly when I had been drinking. So one Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I was relegated from the second floor bunk room down to the living room as a result of my snoring. And this is where things get bizarre. Because the living room just so happened to be where some of our other world-class snorers had been placed. In a way, I felt proud that I'd made the big leagues. That I'd finally been moved to Sleep Apnea City, population four. But that didn't last long. Because turns out I was too loud for even this crew of log sawers, resulting in my eventual dismissal to the driveway where I spent the rest of the slumber in the backseat of my car. Hmm. Thursday morning always came a little earlier and a little boozier than I had foreseen the night prior, when consequences weren't really being factored into my choices. But luckily for us Michiganders, we always had a Detroit Lions game waiting for us at noon every Thanksgiving day. And perhaps nothing is more needed on Turkey Day, let me rephrase, perhaps nothing is more needed on the day after the day before Turkey Day than a Lions game. First, it provided some common ground for the relatives who had nearly come to blows the night prior arguing over tax policy that affected exactly nobody in the room. I mean, even cousins at each other's throats could come together over their shared heartbreak resulting from decades upon decades of Thanksgiving Day Lions losses. Who cares about political affiliation when you're reminiscent about that time in the early 2000s when the Lions won the overtime coin toss and elected to give the ball to the Steelers? That really happened. Secondly, the annual Lions loss always provides the perfect excuse to get back on the horse. Noon kickoffs pair perfectly with noon Bud Lights. You know what else pairs perfectly with noon Bud Lights? Noon concerned looks from our noon mothers. Sorry, Mom. For me, though, Thanksgiving never really quite began each year until I was asked by my cousin Gene to grab him his first Bud Light of the Lions game. Sometimes I'd already be heading outside to the garage fridge and he'd catch me then. Makes sense. Hey, you're on the way. Grab one. Sometimes I'd be heading in the complete opposite direction. It doesn't really matter. Not to Gene. Because anybody on their feet was a viable option as a potential beer runner to Gene during the Lions game on Thanksgiving. Third, and most importantly, the Lions game gave us all a chance to live in an environment a little quieter than the one we generated the night prior. You know you must have gotten into some really bad conversations the night before when you're finding solace in the idiotic ramblings of Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw, hey, who said CTE can't be fun? The Thanksgiving meal was always wonderful. 
the traditional menu of turkey and mashed potatoes and cranberry relish and green beans. Always competing versions of sweet potato casserole, typically won by my Uncle Wayne with support from his husband, Brent. One year, I invited my Canadian friend, Mark Brasacco, to a Ross family Thanksgiving, and on the way there, Sacco asked me about who he would be meeting once we arrived. So I gave him some quick trivia about the key players, and in a most respectful manner, I told him that my Uncle Wayne was a beautiful gay flower in a sea of super straight crabgrass. In other words, while most of my uncles are beer-swilling bow hunters, my Uncle Wayne provided a much-needed counterbalance with some metropolitan flair. Sacco asked me, hey, so do you think I'll be able to tell which uncle is Uncle Wayne? I told him that I expect he'll catch on relatively quickly, but that the group was big and loud, so it might take a few minutes to get your bearings, let alone decipher who was who. We hadn't so much as taken our jackets off when Sacco had already given me the look that suggested, oh yeah, this is definitely Uncle Wayne. Because we had just walked into the kitchen trying to say hi to the cooks of the group, who were cooking feverishly to get dinner ready, including my Uncle Wayne, who was carving a turkey. As I went to introduce Mark, my Uncle Wayne pinched a greasy chunk of dark meat and instructed Sacco to open wide. And Mark did just that. He opened wide for a handful of moist turkey from a stranger he hadn't even been introduced to, but who he knew full well who it was. I'm not sure if it was when Wayne's first knuckle or second knuckle had encroached into Sacco's mouth that Mark's eyes communicated to me, holy shit, this consensual turkey fisting is as gay an introduction as I might have imagined. Either way, I strolled up to him casually and said with as much deadpan as possible, Mark, I see you've met my Uncle Wayne. Sacco blurted out laughter and a couple of coughs around my Uncle Wayne's big meat hook. Nice to meet you, Wayne, he said. Thanks for the turkey. Mark replied before asking, hey, I thought there'd be Manhattans. And from across the room, as if by some sort of vermouth-enhanced sonar, my awesome Uncle Danny answered, Did someone say Manhattans? Well, technically, Danny actually said, Did someone say Manhappies? Mark giggled a, You know it, in response before telling me, And this must be Danny, I presume. And we were off. Thanksgiving that year, just as it always would, would go down at halftime of the Lions game. Put another way, we'd eat Thanksgiving dinner at 1.30 in the afternoon? Help me out here. Do other families eat Thanksgiving dinner at a time more suitable for something called Thanksgiving lunch? Or is this just a Ross family thing? Or is it maybe just a Detroit Lions thing? As in, hurry up, we better get this meal on us now before the Lions blow another lead, rendering us all too bleary-eyed and depressed to find anything to be grateful about afterwards. Maybe mix in a halftime dinner so we get a chance to pray for Detroit victory during the pre-meal grace? Or does everyone eat this early on Turkey Day? Maybe to ensure plenty of time for an evening round of leftovers? I mean, don't get me wrong, I was never upset when the game would be paused, not for a meal. We'd stand up and look to the family reverend, my wonderful Uncle Eddie, for a prayer, one that he'd tell from his heart with sincerity and love. It was always a wonderful grace. Eddie would sometimes find this pastoral rhythm that would border between stern piety and, hey, let's see how many words for God I can use back to back to back before anyone notices. You know what I'm talking about, right? Things like, and we thank you for this food, Jesus. We thank you so much, God, for this bounty and for bringing us together, Lord. Thank you for our health, Lord God. Is it cool if I call you Lord God, Lord God? Thank you, Lord God, Jesus, for letting me call you so many names, Lord God, baby Jesus, Jesus, Lord. No disrespect there. I love my Uncle Eddie. Can't think of a better person to say grace at our family holidays. We'd eat. We'd watch the lions lose. We'd nap. The final few years of this Thanksgiving tradition included a game that pitted each and every relative against one another by arming each family member with an unscratched scratch-off. 
which we'd paperclip to our collars by official mandate. From there, the mistress of ceremonies, my mother, would always announce a word that was off limits. Let's say the first word was lions. From that point forward, anybody caught uttering the word lions had to forfeit their lottery ticket, and this is very important, to whoever caught them saying the word. Sometimes sorting out who caught you was a simple affair. Maybe you're in a one-on-one conversation, easy peasy. Most times, though, numerous witnesses were within earshot of whomever poor soul slipped up. In theory, this would be handled in a chivalrous and familial manner. In practice, however, this would be handled by a bunch of 60-year-old men yelling, gotcha, and diving across the crowded room, grasping at a 7-year-old's lottery ticket. Every 20 or 30 minutes, a new word would be added to the blacklist, joining all previous banned words as off-limits. And once somebody had collected all the tickets, that person was the winner. I'm not sure what the spirit of the game was, but the result of the game was paranoid silence. Because there comes a point for every player where it's too dangerous to say anything for fear of losing your ticket stash. Maybe my mom knew it would shut us all up. Maybe she was an evil genius this whole time, knowing that she'll be able to get some peace and quiet, at least during this game. Of course, if that was her intention, then she must have miscalculated how much hoopla would be generated every time my dad or Uncle Leonard tricked the child into saying a word that was off limits. I'm not joking here. The younger the participant, the more vultures that loitered nearby. Ultimately, the game would devolve into a paranoia-inducing panic attack, one that inevitably crowned my introverted brother-in-law with a stack of scratch-offs. My brother-in-law, Steve's nearly silent, everyday demeanor, prepares him nicely for a game that punishes verbal slip-ups. Every year, I expected Steve to accept his winnings before turning back to the family and proclaiming, HA! Have you boisterous fools learned nothing from Thanksgiving's past? Challenge me to a duel in silence and you shall perish! but it never happened. That would have required him to speak. And, well, there were years in which family talent shows unfolded. That was a fun era. One year for the talent show, my 15-year-old cousin Jessica had coordinated a debate performance for her talent, which was awesome because she was on her school's competitive debate team. Her thesis that year was that the United States of America is a patriarchy built on a sexist foundation. First off, this is an absolutely hilarious topic to bring into the male-dominated Ross clan. Secondly, it was my assignment to argue back from the audience, prompting my young feminist cousin to debate me back. You know how these things go, back and forth. When my first line came, I raised my hand in the crowd and was called on by Jessica. I said something defending the fact that men get paid more than women, clearly part of the skit, when a boozy cousin from the back row rushed to Jessica's defense. Shut up, Kirky! Let Jessica do her debate thing. Hey, I'm part of the debate thing, so keep it down back there in the cheap seats. Jeesh. The final couple years of the tradition ushered in the post-Thanksgiving Friday bowling tournament slash Little River Casino trip because, hey, when 48 hours of cramped, drunken anxiety isn't enough, there's always Friday. This was a super fun part of the deal, though. Typically the younger generations only, meaning that while we were having fun without the old fogies, the old fogies were having fun without us resting quietly in our absence. A true win-win. And that would round out each and every year. I mean, think about this. Closed quarters shouting matches, consensual hand-feeding of greasy dark meat turkey, and bowling? Wow. This tradition does not age well in the post-coronavirus world, does it? We've had a couple of years off from this tradition now, and of course this year will obviously look even different yet. Sometimes I think back on those years with such fondness. 
Sometimes that fondness creates a desire to recreate the old magic with new ingredients. By new ingredients, I mean a couple of things. First, we're down a few components, leaving some massive voids left by those who have passed away. And then secondly, for all of us who are still here, we've all changed too. Maybe we'll make some version of the Ross Family Thanksgiving extravaganza again someday. Maybe we won't. But that really shouldn't matter, should it? Because those years we did spend up there together did happen. And through time, we can always look back and remember how fun it was. And with time, our memories change out some of the negative parts of our old days and leave us with just the picture-perfect vision of our past. Which is nice. Because that means we can go back into our memories whenever we want and spend time with the good parts of our loved ones. Even as I write this episode, I keep closing my eyes, imagining the memories... And I'm being honest when I say that spending real time and energy remembering a past experience puts us right back in that experience. Which means we're never too far away from saying hi to our loved ones who have left us behind. And we get to look back on just the good parts of those friends and family and events. We can forget the darker, more sinister aspects of our past and focus on only the love. Some of you might be thinking, wait, are you suggesting that we whitewash our own memories for ease and comfort and joy? To which I'd say... That's exactly what I'm saying. After all, this is a Thanksgiving episode, and there is no idea truer to the concept of American Thanksgiving than looking back on history, removing any culpability, and pretending it was something totally different than what it really was. That, folks, was a slow-roasted Turkey Day punchline. And guess what, Turkey? You burnt! With that, I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the short week and the long weekend. As if we needed any more time at home. I'm so thankful to each and every one of you for listening, for being there for me, for writing a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I thank you. Sincerely, thank you so much. Peace out, y'all. It's almost Thanksgiving time, y'all. You know what that means. Chip the fan, 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 chip Whoa!